This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Inspiring Design with yours truly. This is where the best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge. Our goal here is to be the missing link between education, design, and the industry. And my guest for today, she's a bit of a high achiever, in fact. She has been the head of arts and applied technology business at St. Stephen's college for the past 11 years and one of the design syllabus writers for QCAA, the Queensland Curriculum Assessment Authority, for three years as well as being one of the graphics panel members for QCAA for an incredible eight years. She currently manages 21 subjects across prep through to year 12. She is also one of the finalists for the Australian Education Teacher of the Year for 2019 as well as 2019 Women in Business Futurist of the Year runner-up for the WIB Innovation Technology Awards. So a bit of an impressive portfolio. (laughs) Sounds like a lot. (laughs) She is the perfect person to speak about today's topic, enterprise skills and its relation to innovation in education. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Sam, welcome to Inspiring Design. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Can we start off with a little bit of a background on yourself, your story? What's it all, all been about? Well, it depends on how many years you want to go back, but I haven't been an, <laughs> I haven't been an educator my entire life. Um, I actually started in uh, marketing, and, um, and so I suppose that's where my design skills came into it. You know, going back, say, 20 through 25 years ago, um, you know, I was one of the first, you know, I was using the very first Adobe suite when it first came out. So surf, self-taught, my, you know, uh, Photoshop and, and Illustrator um, and, you know, working with small businesses um, on, uh, I was really passionate about, um, you know, trying to help small businesses. In, in terms of their marketing um, that didn't have big budgets. Um, and so I worked with various fashion industries uh, and with um, hairdressing salons and uh, as well as sort of uh, starting a few businesses myself in the background. Um, one of them being, um, I started, you know, going back 20 years ago, an actual afterpay service, uh, which, you right. know, did end up becoming quite successful. Um, yep. And... You know, what actually happened, I, I, I had my children, so I decided to uh, start a family. And at the time, I was working incredibly long hours and I thought, I can't keep doing this. And I just made this snap decision to become an educator, um, which meant I did have to go back to university. Um, and so I went to university and actually had my children while I was there and um, studied to become a teacher. And... Um, got my first job in a private school in Adelaide as a design teacher. Uh, And then after four years, um, made a decision to move up to Queensland. And and when I moved to Queensland, I, you know, joined St. Stephen's College as the graphics teacher there. And that was, yeah, 11 and a half years ago now. Um, So it's been an interesting 
interesting ride because I don't think I've ever sort of stopped um, working on business at the same time. Um, I think that my business experience, my marketing experience, my design experience have all come hand in hand with the education. Um, and, you know, since obviously working at St. Stephen's College, I've, you know, been obviously running the subjects that are underneath those banners, um, as well as, like you mentioned before, um, working with uh, QCAA for a number of years, um, which is, you know, looking at the design syllabus and writing the design syllabus, which was an absolute honour, actually. Um, I've got a whole story, you know, behind that um, because I did find that when I moved from South Australia to Queensland um, that the, the curriculum itself was, uh, you know, quite archaic, you know, when I moved up here. Um, and so I actually made it a goal, you know, right from the get-go that I was going to change it up here and, and I, you know... <laughs> I, I, I ended up doing that and so I feel quite proud, you know, that uh, every student in Queensland now, you know, does have an element of what I would like them to be learning, you know, in design and design thinking. Um, and then obviously that has led to, and it's not necessarily, um, you know, the syllabus writing, but it's actually the way that I implement the syllabus in my classroom. Um, that I've ended up, you know, creating a lot of programs um, that have, you know, ended up in becoming the top eight teacher in Australia at the moment, you know, and, uh, and then winning that Futurist Award and then also for my innovation and technology as well. So it sort of all lends itself for that. Yeah, and, and I think this is what the brilliant thing of, um, you know, looking at your journey and how those little, little things have connected through to the results and ultimately your, your students are the ones that are benefiting from it. So that's an incredible journey and congratulations on the award as well. Thank you. Thank you. I suppose one of the other things that I didn't mention is that it's not just my students. You know, one of my goals at the moment is to try and extend out to further and, it's, you know, opportunities like this. Um, that have sort of, you know, arisen as well, um, which I find you know, is quite beneficial for everybody. But I'm connecting with the universities at the moment as well. And one of the things that I have been working with is actually that transition between the schooling sector and the universities, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in enterprise education and design thinking and a design education. And so I'm working with the uh, master's students at the moment as well in Griffith University um, mm -hmm. on design teaching. Perfect. Well, there you go. There's a lot of alignment and, and synergies there as well. So, and you already mentioned that word enterprise skills. So let's get straight into that. In, in your definition, what is enterprise skills? Uh, okay. So um, I would say that people often confuse that word and think about it more associated to business. Um, I look after like as I said, you said before, 21 different subjects. And business is one of the subjects I do look after and also design. Um, and so I find that um, in my experience in education that it is easy to assume that if a student studies business that they are developing enterprising skills. Mm -hmm. Through my experiences, I've, I would argue that the enterprising skills themselves are actually, um, you know, more embedded in design than they are in that particular subject. So yep. things such as, you know, innovation, design thinking, uh, creative problem solving, digital literacy, presentation skills, you know, project management, collaboration is uh, critical thinking. Uh, and then going into things like 
testing and prototyping and especially important right now, agility, you know. Uh, these are all skills that are really recognised um, that are essential for the future success, you know, for our students. Absolutely. And I think you're, it's music to my ears what you're saying because this is actually exactly the thinking that I have behind, you know, viewing how the best brands out there, the, if you look at the Fortune 500 companies out there, they're actually hiring straight out of university from you know architectural graduates to go and work on their business design or their service design absolutely you know and it's and it's exactly what you're saying it's those skill sets that are that are um, coming into play now so one of the things is obviously it's a new it's a new concept in a in um to a lot of educators out there um so why is that important in the 21st century, do you think? Why? For, especially for education right now, for looking at the kids going into, you know, uh, the in, being in the industry in the next 5, 10, 20 years. Why is this important? Oh, I could go on forever for this. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll start with, um, you know, if you look at the demand of, like, critical thinking skills, for example, in the jobs market, this has increased by about 150% in the last three years alone. So... Things such as creativity is gone up by about 65%, presentation skills by 25%. So it does highlight the importance of like enterprising skills, like and these students having this experience while they're still there. Um, and then there's things like the soft skills that people refer to as well, you know, um, your goal setting, your planning, work ethic, resilience. I mean, how important is resilience and drive and persistence right now? You know, it's this is the core of the job market that, um, you know, that we need to be teaching our students right from the get-go. So we often refer to it as 21st century skills, but it's kind of a, a, a saying that's thrown around quite a lot in education, but we're in the depths of it now. Um, it's not new skills. In Queensland, and I think for, um, you know, Queensland, in the Queensland syllabus, uh, these those skills that I mentioned before are the underpinning underpinning principles of what uh, each of the syllabuses are about. Um, but you know, it's just things such as like critical thinking and creativity and presentation skills. Um, you know, they're increasing by like you know one hundred and seventy percent in all of the jobs that are around. Um, wages for jobs in these same skills pay significantly higher um, that didn't incorporate these enterprising skills and the skills routinely present across a tr like are transferable across multiple disciplines multiple industries and multiple occupations so it's just it, it, it doesn't matter if a student wants to be a doctor or they want to be a product designer they're they're embedded in everything that they do yeah, yeah, and look, it's it's completely accurate with what you're saying. It there has been a bit of a trend these days towards that. And um, while you were talking about, uh, just before this video, you mentioned the word resilience. I was in the middle of um, editing a video that we had recently recorded for 21st century education resilience, just because it is one of those elements. But whenever I speak with educators that um, you know that are struggling with this concept a little bit. One of the things that keeps coming up is the fact that it's not quantifiable. It's not, it's not easy to, you know, grade and have a metric system so that we can measure the students on that scale. Now, the, I've got my own thoughts with this and, and, you know, looking at best practice in education around the world. What are your thoughts on this? How can you advise educators 
to you know embrace these skills and get past that mindset of you know not mm. being able to measure it um yeah it's it is a challenge you know and i think that that's as a as a designer um i do think outside the square always you know so i'm never I never look at things you know, as black and white. There's always gray areas for me and in a positive way, I should say. Um, and so, you know, there's ways that you can approach things. I, well, to be, to, first of all, I, I just strongly believe that students need to have this extensive um, exposure to entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship um, that's embedded into the curriculum, you know? So it's not separate, it's embedded into it. Um, if we introduce the student, students to like authentic problems um, and allow them to like a safe space for them to fail forward, you know, that's the main thing, right, is uh, not assessing in some cases, you know, allowing for failure. And that's where there's a little bit of a misalignment with education and this enterprising skills because the only way a student can, you know, learn some of these skills is through failure. And unfortunately, there's that misalignment there, you know, with, with some of the way that we have to approach our education. So um, I think, uh, you know, using problem-based learning, you know, like uh, with, with in terms of assessment, um, you know, the way that you design your lessons. I do mini design challenges, for example, with my students that are non-assessable. So do lots of smaller ones that allow the students to have that experimentation, you know, and fail. Uh, and then not get um, assessed on it. Uh, and then when it comes to the accessible items, you know, it's not as it, they've already had that practice run at it. So, yeah. um, you know, is there anything specific, you know, that, you know, like I, I know collaboration is one of the ones that people struggle, struggle with, um, yeah. but it doesn't need to be necessarily, just because the student is being assessed on it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not, uh, that that's the only way that they learn a skill. You know, collaboration can be taught the entire way through the learning experience. It does not necessarily need to be assessed, you know. Just yep. because it's accessible does not mean that it's, you know, not important. Absolutely. And I think that it's that uh, when, when the mindset of failure, I think the important thing with that is actually rewarding the process rather than the end outcome. And mm -hmm. if, if there's no right or wrong end outcome from a perspective of, you know, the educator, then, and they're being rewarded on how they actually did things, whether, and if they failed 20 times, great, that's fine. That this is the process they've gone through. And this is actually something that's embedded naturally into the design disciplines when you go into, you know, architecture or product design or fashion design or whatever. But it's, it's that same skill set that inherently gets translated and embedded exactly as you said into every other subject. So I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. So this is great. And do you think, what are, what are some technology um, or, you know, different types of applications or software programs that can integrate into part of this, you know, with the whole running design challenges and, and um, doing these practice-based design sprints even? Uh, would mm -hmm. you have any tips on, for educators on what, you know, applications, technology, tools that they can use? I think that, um, you know, it, it, once upon a time, I think the teaching has evolved a lot in the last 10 years. Um, when I first moved to Queensland, technology was the, the subject itself. I mean, design as a subject did not exist, first of all. 
Uh, it was called Graphics and the subject was based entirely on technology and teaching technology step by step. The students would produce something that was already created. So there was very limited creativity in there. Um, and so it was almost like the educator was the gatekeeper of all knowledge, you know, uh, where that is not the case anymore. You know, that shifted it, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So the, with all the digital resources that the students have at their fingertips now, they're no longer, um, you know, they, they can actually seek out this information much faster, you know, sometimes than, you know, the teacher can facilitate that. Mm. So, the whole technology side of things has actually changed dramatically as well. I mean, in one day, I could potentially teach or facilitate, I should use that word because that's what it is, it's facilitating. Yeah. Uh, I will facilitate, you know, up to 20 different computer programs a day. You know, I could mm -hmm. do that. Um, the old system, I would say this is a software that you're using, this is the end result that you need to produce and this is how you do it. Whereas now I go, okay, this is the problem and you need to come up with a solution. You need to present it in the best way possible to be able to do that to this particular market. Yeah. And so there's a range of things out there. You know, I'm incredibly passionate about the Adobe suite, you know, so, and I tell the students that I can, you know, I know most, mostly about the Adobe suite. So if they need help, that's what I would suggest they use. Yeah. Um, so, for example, um, yesterday I was working, I'm doing a, we're having to change a lot of things at the moment in terms of our, um, you know, lesson planning. Um, and I'm flipping actually a little bit with prototyping, you know. One would think that prototyping should probably happen in the classroom, um, mm -hmm. but I'm flipping it a little bit because I'm finding that the students are being more innovative at home. Mm -hmm. So... I'm looking at prototyping of um, some of the, is this for my business students, um, prototyping of their business ideas at home in these next five weeks. So um, when we looked at app prototyping, um, you know, I give them a range of options to choose from. I, sh I, I tell them what the end result should be, um, but I will give them options of software that they could potentially use, ranging from, you know, free ones that are online and then through to XD where, you know, it's quite, um, you know, in-depth of how to actually, you know, prototype something. So it just depends on the ability of the student, um, what they have available, um, and then obviously, you know, how deep that they want to go into it as well. So, um, you know, we, at our school, um, we use a range, obviously, the Adobe Suite. We use um, Archicad. Um, it, we use um, SolarWorks for our product design, um, you know, and then there's a range of softwares that we use online as well. So, yep. yeah. Absolutely. And I think going back to um, my previous episode, I actually spoke with Maddie Taylor from QUT and um, she was saying more or less exactly what you're saying in terms of how that would, be, how it becomes part of the design process almost. So instead of, uh, you know, specifying, you know, go and use X product or X tool, you're actually embedding that problem solving for the students to have accountability and choose their own platform that they prefer. And most of the time, especially when we did this with, um, with the first years in the design in intensive, all of them chose their own product. We never showed them how to use it. Some of them literally hadn't even heard of it before just jumped online and within two hours they're using it better than that 
you know we would have been able to show them so it's yeah. um Absolutely. i love that yeah, they are. They're, um, they're definitely uh, uh, they're agile, you know, with, with the way that they learn. And, um, and so I just, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, one of the things I sort of say is if we limit the students, um, or I actually explain it, in, you know, from my perspective, where, because um, you still do get students that say, can you please teach me how to use this? Or can you tell me what I need to do? Or what are the steps that I need to do to get an A? And I, I, I sort of explain it to them in a way that if I was, as a designer, was limited to my own ability at that particular moment, nothing would ever improve, you know. So um, I try and really push the students to try and come up with some really wild ideas and then either we pull it back or we... Um, explore and research and and come up with a way to even solve you know um you know producing that particular concept um together and that's where the collaboration comes into it so it's a, a it's a relationship that we have rather than me teaching the student this is how you do it perfect perfect and i love that because the more and more exposed they are that becomes their new normal and you know rather than coming to university and then finding out that oh now we need to work in teams and um you know this is not something that i really like to do anymore because i don't get along with people or i'm an extrovert or i'm an introvert or you know yeah. whatever the reason might be it becomes part of their normal and and um you know then they seek out other people to collaborate naturally and this is actually one of the important conversations and barriers that uh, I think personally, I think this is very important for 21st century education because you cannot do anything in this world without collaborating. You know, yeah, and, absolutely. Well, and we're think, not, sorry, yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's also about teaching. It needs to um, be, de be designed to accommodate different learning styles from the students, first of all. So some students are not um, necessarily um, comfortable with collaboration to start with. So it's obviously adapting the teaching so that they become comfortable with it. But the other thing as well, and I found that this is where, you know, it can, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, help that particular process happen is doing a lot of interdisciplinary projects and interdisciplinary practice. Mm. So identifying skills that not everyone is skilled at every single thing, you know, and making everybody aware of that, you know, that there, there's going to be things that I'm really good at and then there's things that I'm not so good at and there's people in my team that are better at it than me. And so it's actually looking at the areas of um, the strengths of each of the people that are working in that, in that team. Uh, so if I'm doing a, uh, a project with students, I try and get them to work out where their strengths are and then give the hand over that particular part of the task to that student. And that's how teamwork works. You know, it's, um, you know, if you've got someone that is actually highly skilled in sketching and then someone that's highly skilled in marketing and promotions and another person is highly skilled in sketching, uh, yeah. you know, put them together and then get them to work together on their strengths rather than forcing people into a, you know, a round peg into a square hole sort of thing so yeah. exactly exactly and it goes back to that um there's a famous cartoon that illustrates what's wrong with the education system you know there's a human at the front or the teacher at the front addressing a frog a giraffe uh, an elephant a fish in a bowl a monkey and then he's essentially saying you know we're going to assess you on how well you can climb that tree 
and there's a tree in the background and the monkey's obviously That's smiling right. because he's got it covered <laughs> and um, yeah the fish is just confused because he can't even leave his bowl so Absolutely. Right. I think that that's perfect with what you're saying. Everyone then works towards their strengths and the quality and the outcome. And, and I think their own accountability and their own self-esteem, everything then snowballs in the positive direction and, and, and um, onwards and upwards. So if you had to choose, if you had to list out, I reckon the top five enterprise skills, what would they be? <laughs> <laughs> top five. Oh, okay. Oh, there's going to have to limit. I'd say uh, innovation would mm -hmm. be number one. Mm -hmm. um, design thinking, probably number two, because that covers mm -hmm. quite a lot of areas, yeah. um, including the problem solving. Um, I think presentation skills would be in there. Do you mean the communication, uh, public speaking, or yes, just visual? About a combination, because presentation okay. is, you know, when you, you sort of say presentation, and I suppose that's one area that I always do have to explain to students quite often as well, is what, I pre, you know, what, what do I mean by presentation? Mm -hmm. um, presentation can mean anything from facial expressions through to, you know, something that, you know, something that's being designed, um, yep. you know, on, you know, a billboard or whatever. So it, it, yep. it depends on... It depends on the audience, you know, 100%. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it will be visual, sometimes it will be audio, you know, and sometimes it will be a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I would say um, adaptability at the moment. Adaptability. In a agile context? Yes, yes. Yep. I think that, you know, obviously in light of everything that's happening at the moment, I think Absolutely. that one... That one has sort of jumped into the list. It'd be up there because um, I think that that's the only way that people will survive at the moment is if they have a combination of all those things. So perfect. What's mm. the last one? That was four. Oh, was that four? Was it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I thought I said five. Um, I would say that critical thinking over collaboration, actually. Okay, critical thinking. I was trying to, I was tossing up, tossing up between the two. <laughs> It'd either be collaboration or critical thinking, but I think you need to be a critical thinker, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the good thing is, I think, you know, based on, you know, that innovation, design thinking, communication, or well, presentation, and then agile, as well as then critical thinking, those all marry up with one another anyway. And, and I think, you know, collaboration, you can't design things without collaborating anyway. That's right. So, You've, um, I, it was a bit of a curveball question to see what you would come up with. <laughs> You've done well. Yeah. So I think in, in terms of taking this to that next level and making it actionable towards educators listening, do you have advice for them? You know, what can they do right now, um, you know, given the current climate and what we know and uh, moving towards that next iteration of what education is going to look like? What's your advice for um, educators? As, as um, an actionable steps? Oh, as actionable steps? Um, well, I, I strongly believe, as I said, that they need exposure to it while they're mm. at school. So they need to be able to experiment with um, entrepreneurship, but also entrepreneurship. Like, and this is something that I'm really highlighting at the moment, is that we quite often, um, as designers or um, 
you know, as entrepreneurs, uh, we we sort of talk in a sense of creating your own business um, or working on business. Mm. Whereas I think that is almost more important to recognize that entrepreneurship, so someone that is actually being innovative or using those enterprising skills whilst working in a business is as important, you know, as, as sort of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to introduce the students to this as much as we can, you know, in mm-hmm. school. So I, I strongly believe they should be doing this in, you know, during school to start with um, and in moving, you know, moving through project-based learning, you know, as mm-hmm. much as possible, allowing, yep. allowing the students to fail. So embedding those design thinking strategies that allows them to work on authentic problems. You know, it has to be authentic. They have to be working on something that they can relate to and something that is real world, you know. Uh, and that way, they, they, I find that when uh, projects are introduced to the students that are both of those things, they immerse themselves much greater into it in, in the first place. They've got ownership over it. They feel a sense of ownership over the actual project. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, you know, we need to be encouraging um, collaboration mm-hmm. uh, and that I think that that could be through the learning environments themselves, you know, as well because it's not just about the teacher. It is actually about the space in which they learn. Uh, and I think that we can be siloed quite a lot in education. I sometimes go into schools and you've probably experienced this too, where everyone is in their own little silo. And I think yep. we need to break those walls down as much as we can and start talking to our colleagues and start talking to the people around it because that's collaboration also. Um, and I think that's, one of, uh, that's one of the important things with breaking down that silo mentality is agile principles. And, yes. um, and this is, uh, this is actually a very, um, relatively new conversation within the education system because there's a couple of teachers that I recently freaked out when I, you know, told them to imagine their school if, if they had no subjects or no department. Absolutely. Everyone, you know, you're all the education team serving your students and educating them as one. What would that look like? And, um, it was, it was a bit of a struggle. <laughs> really? See, that would be my dream school, you know? That would be my dream school. I mean, I, I'm in a very lucky position. Some would say it's not so lucky because I do look after quite a number of subjects. So in some ways, you know, that silo is, um, you know, but it, I, it, I'm not in that to start with. You know, I've got the ability to jump between um you know, design and, you know, I can jump between those subjects quite easily and I know exactly what's happening in every one of those subjects. So I can draw upon the knowledge that's learnt in each of the other areas. Um, And so, you know, that, and that's been great, but I have, and it's been absolutely amazing when I have um, worked with the music department, the drama department, the physics, um, you know, science department, um, you know, on various projects together. So as soon as I know that there's knowledge that can be learned from another subject area, I don't claim that I'm going to be the expert at it immediately. I go and say, okay, I'm doing this project. Is there any way that you can, you know, share that knowledge in your class so that when I'm teaching the subject, it makes sense, you know, like there's some connectivity with the other. So the interdisciplinary approach to everything is highly important as well. 
Um, you know, even the math department, you know, uh, chemistry, you know, I've actually, as much as I possibly can, I try and work with other heads of faculty so that um, we're drawing upon the knowledge from each of the subject areas. Perfect. I think that's that's brilliant. I mean, sometimes as simple as, you know, going and knocking on that door and just asking for that, asking for a handout and just asking for that help and that little bit of contribution and two cents into what you're doing. So that's brilliant. I love it. Um, and before we leave, do you have advice for, I think I wanted to change the angle a little bit and ask if you have any advice for the school and university leadership um, mm. rather than in general, what are your advice for them, the leadership, you know, in supporting the movement towards this, in a way, a new style of education, not really, but for, for Australian context a little bit, but um, do you have any advice for them? Um. I, you know, I've spent quite a number of years trying to educate people about, you know, the fact that enterprise skills is not business and design is not visual art, you know, and I think that um, it's, if they could understand that these are, uh, there's a, this mis, well, that, that there's that misconception amongst the teaching and learning community that um, to be able to do any of these subjects that have got creativity in them, um, that it is not art. It is not, it's not about art. Um, and so I think that there, there needs to be more value placed on creativity. Um, yep. Even for the universities, one of the arguments I have with them quite often is that they'll run STEAM projects for it, sorry, STEM projects. See, I can't even say it without the A. Um, yep. <laughs> they focus highly on STEM. Um, but I'm, I, I, I just do not understand how you can have anything in this world without having that A. It is mm. nothing. Everything has the the creative element you know every single thing you know yep. in fact i'll go to say that it should be steamed you know there should be it should be arts and design should be part of that you know um you know part of that vocabulary so um without creativity there is no innovation you know that's mm. kind of <laughs> it's it has to be there so i think that most schools and universities have to start understanding that you know the importance of that area um, I think that the schools and universities, and, and I think what's been interesting in this particular time in our lives is that with the, um, you know, the restrictions that we've got at the moment, um, one of the roadblocks that we've always had is timetable, right? So you talked about the my dream school, which had no subjects, and. I think that, uh, you know, there would be a lot of people that would be very open to that sort of thing, but timetabling is always mm. an issue. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's come up with this whole restrictions is that, you know, look, schools have had to adapt and change timetables, you know. It is possible, you know. It's just that everyone gets very, um, you know, like blindsided by, oh, no, we've got to do it exactly how we've always done it. When, no, when we're forced to do make changes, we can do it, you know. So I think that there's opportunities there for a lot more interdisciplinary approaches to the way schools operate. Um, and so not giving subjects, you know, having projects rather than subjects. Um, and I think that will allow for that collaboration to happen between students as well. Um, I sense that the universities are actually getting it. I think that there's a lot of universities around at the moment. Like I collaborate with quite a lot in like southeast Queensland mm -hmm. and a lot of them are sort of positioning 
um, their courses are like a mixed basket of skills, mm-hmm. like in subjects that do incorporate design and business, um, like with incubator hubs and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd would love it if schools started to think like that as well, where industry is also brought in um, and students are working directly with people, um, you know, in the community rather than superficial, you know, tasks that don't mean anything to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Samantha, that was absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for giving up your time. I know that the educators and even the listeners from, you know, whether they're students or professionals, they're going to have a lot of takeaways from today. So thanks so much for giving up your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. So that's it for today, folks. Now it's time to essentially jump on to rashantsenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes from today's episode and click on the direct links and check out the amazing work that Sam's doing in education. Feel free to connect with her on LinkedIn as well and give a shout out. So lastly, click subscribe and share and love your um, reviews or thoughts and feedback on today's episode. Join the conversation and be part of the movement. So till next time.